Hello everyone, welcome to Knox Bedtime Stories. I'm your friend Joey, here with another episode to help you relax, feel safe, and fall asleep. It is 11pm here, and I hope you had a relaxing, easy day. I've been ill all week, so I'm trying to catch up on content. If you're new to the podcast, welcome to the Knox family. I hope I'm able to bring you some calm, comfort, and a good night's sleep. When you get into bed tonight, say to yourself, my bedroom is a place of peace and relaxation. When I enter this room and crawl into bed at night, today's thoughts naturally begin to soften. My burdens lighten, and sleep is coming. Right now, nothing exists except you, me, this beautiful fireplace, and the warm safe bed, couch, or floor you're laying on. Tonight, I have a super relaxing anxiety buster tonight. The story is called Eva's Adventures in Shadowland. It's very descriptive and calming. I'm probably going to do this whole book. As a matter of fact, I may drop a second episode this week. I've been sick, so I've gotten behind on some of my work. If you're one of the 50,000 people who enjoy the show, please consider giving me a 5-star review on iTunes. Definitely consider becoming a patron. I can barely afford to do the show now, and I'm basically doing it free. You can do that at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click on the Patreon link, or patreon.com forward slash Knox Bedtime Stories. Also, get patron-only content there. I've been trying to come up with some new ways to help calm you and help you fall asleep faster. In the meantime, I've been sick all week. Not just the normal bipolar stuff, but throwing up too. I felt awful and drained all week. But I'll get caught up in a few days to help you all relax and get a good night's sleep. Uh, First, let's get to tonight's good news story, which comes from NASA, and it's good news for us all. You guys know how much I like science news. It's almost always good. Earthlings can feel some relief for now, as NASA has confirmed our planet is safe from a particularly worrisome asteroid for the next century at least. 99942 Apophis, which was discovered in 2004, had been identified as one of the most hazardous asteroids that could impact the planet, but results from a new radar observation campaign, combined with precise orbit analysis, have helped astronomers conclude that Apophis won't hit Earth in 2068, as had been the fear. Estimated to be about 1,100 feet across, when Apophis, named after the Egyptian god of destruction, made a flyby of Earth in early March, NASA states that scientists took the opportunity to use powerful radar observations to refine the estimate of its orbit around the sun with extreme precision, enabling them to confidently rule out any impact risk in 2068 and long after. Although Apophis made a recent close approach with Earth, it was still 6 million miles away. Even so, we were able to acquire incredibly precise information 
about its distance to an accuracy of about 150 meters, said JPL scientist Marina Brazovic, who led the radar campaign. This campaign not only helped us rule out any impact risk, it set us up for a wonderful science opportunity. On April 13, 2029, NASA says the asteroid will pass less than 20,000 miles 32,000 kilometers from our planet's surface. During that close approach, Apophis will be visible to observers on the ground in the Eastern Hemisphere without the aid of a telescope or binoculars. NASA explains this makes for an unrivaled chance for astronomers to get a close-up view of a solar system relic. When I started working with asteroids after college, Apophis was the poster child for hazardous asteroids, said Davis Fernaccia of NASA's Center for Near-Earth Object Studies. There's a certain sense of satisfaction to see it removed from the risk list, and we're looking forward to the science we might uncover during its close approach in 2029. Sounds like we should all be making a note in our diaries about an amazing night sky watching opportunity in eight years time. All right, let's get to tonight's story. Avis Adventures in Shadowland Part 1 set to sleep inducing music and this beautiful fireplace. If you're not already laying down, please do so in whatever way is comfortable and let's begin. What Ava Saw in the Pond she had been reading fairy tales after her lessons were done all the morning. And now that dinner was over, her father gone to his office, the baby asleep, and her mother sitting quietly sewing in the cool parlor. Ava thought that she would go down across the field to the old mill pond and sit in the grass and make a fairy tale for herself. There was nothing that Ava liked better than to go and sit in the tall grass. Grass so tall that when the child in her white dress looped on her plump white shoulders with blue ribbons, her golden curls brushed back from her fair brow, and her blue eyes sparkling sat down in it. You could not see her until you were near her, and then it was just as if you had found a picture of a little girl in a frame or rather, a nest of soft green grass. All through this tall wavy grass, down to the very edge of the pond, grew many flowers, violets and buttercups and dandelions, like little golden suns. And Eva sat there in the grass. She filled her lap with the purple and yellow flowers, and all around her the bees buzzed as though they wished to light upon the flowers in her lap, on which at last, so quietly did she sit. Two black and golden butterflies alighted, while a great brown beetle with long black feelers climbed up a tall grass stalk in front of her, which bending slightly under his weight, swung to and fro in the gentle breeze which barely stirred Ava's golden curls. And the field crickets chirped, and even a snail put his horns out of his shell to look at the little girl, 
sitting so quietly in the grass among the flowers. For Eva was gentle, and neither bee nor butterfly, beetle, cricket, or snail were afraid of her. And this is what Eva called making a fairy tale for herself. But sitting so quietly and watching the insects, and hearing the low hum around her, at last made Eva feel drowsy, and she would have gone to sleep, as she often did, if all of a sudden there had not sounded just at her feet, so that startled her a loud croak croak. But it frightened the two butterflies, for away they went, floating off on their black and golden wings, and the brown beetle was in so much of a hurry to run away, that he tumbled off the grass stalk on which he had been swinging, and as soon as he could regain his legs, as fast as they could carry him, under a friendly mullein leaf, which grew near and hid himself, and the crickets were silent, and the bees all flew away to their hive, and the snail drew himself and his horns into his house, so that he looked like nothing in the world but a shell. For when beetles and butterflies and crickets and bees and snails hear this croak croak, they know that it is time for them to get out of the way. And when Eva looked down there, just at her feet, sat a great green toad. She gave him a little push with her foot to make him go away. But instead of that, he only hopped the nearer and again came, croak, croak. He was entirely too near now for comfort, so the little girl jumped up, dropping all the flowers she had gathered. And as she stood still for a moment, she thought that she heard the green toad say, Go to the pond, go to the pond. It seemed so funny to Eva to hear a toad talk, that she stood as still as a mouse looking at him. And as she looked at him, she heard him say again as plain as possible, Go to the pond, go to the pond. And then, Eva did just exactly what either you or I would have done if we had heard a green toad talking to us. She went slowly through the tall grass down to the very edge of the pond. But instead of the fishes which used to swim about in the pretty clear water, and which would come to eat the crumbs of bread she always threw to them, and the funny croaking frogs which used to jump and splash in the water, she saw nothing but the same great green toad, which had hopped down faster than she had walked, and which was now sitting on a mossy stone near the bank. And when Eva would have turned away, he croaked again, Stay by the pond, stay by the pond. And whether Eva wished it or not, she stood by the pond, for she really could not help it, and looked. And it seemed to her that the sky grew dark, and the water black, as it always does before a rain. And then the child grew frightened, and would have run away, but that just then, in the very blackest part of the pond, she saw shining and looking up at her, a little round full moon with a face in it. And it seemed to her, strange though you may think it, that the eyes of the face in the moon winked at her, 
and then it was gone. And again, Eva would have left the pond, but the green toad, which she thought had suddenly grown larger, croaked more loudly. Stay by the pond, stay by the pond. And Eva obeyed, as indeed she could not help doing. And then again in the pond, there came and went the little moon face, only that this time it was larger and the eyes winked longer. For the third time, the child would have turned away, frightened at all these strange doings in the pond. But for the third time, the green toad, larger than ever, croaked, Stay by the pond, stay by the pond. So for the third time, Eva looked at the pond, and there for the third time, was the shining moon face, as large now as the real full moon, though when Eva looked up, there was no moon shining in the sky to be reflected in the pond. And then the eyes in the moon face looked harder at her, and the toad winked at her, and then the toad was the moon, and the moon was the toad, and both seemed to change places with each other, and at last, both of them shone and winked, so that Eva could not tell them apart. And before she knew what she was doing, she lay down quietly in the tall grass, and the moon in the pond and the green toad winked at her until she fell asleep. Then the moon's eyes closed, and the shining face faded, and the green toad slipped quietly off his stone into the water, and still Eva slept soundly, and that is what Eva saw in the pond. Eva's First Adventure How long she lay there asleep, the child did not know. It might only have been for a few minutes, it might have been for hours. Yet, when she did awake and think it was time for her to go home, she did not understand where she could be. The place seemed the same, yet not the same, as though some wonderful change had come over it during her sleep. There was the pond to be sure, but was it the same pond? Tall trees grew round it, yet their branches were bare and leafless. A little brook ran into the pond, which she was sure that she had never seen there before. Was she still asleep? No, she was wide awake. She sprang to her feet and looked around. The green toad was gone, so was the moon face. Her father's house was nowhere to be seen. There was no sun, but it was not dark, for a light seemed to come from the earth, and yet the earth itself did not shine. Mountains rose in the distance, but strangest of all, these mountains sometimes bore one shape, sometimes another. At times, they were like great crouching beasts, then again like castles or palaces. Then as you looked, they were mountains again. Strange shadows passed over the pond. Stranger shapes flitted among the trees. Eva did not know how the change had been made. Still less, she did guess that she was now in Shadowland. Yet it was all so singular that, as she looked upon the changing mountain forms and the quaint shadows, a sudden longing came over her, 
with a desire to go home, and she turned away from the pond. As she did so, a little fragrant purple violet, the last that was left of all the flowers which she had gathered, and which had been tangled in her curls, fell to the ground, melting into the fragrance as it did so, and as it fell, there passed from Eva's mind all recollection of father, mother, home, and the little brother cooing in his cradle. The changing mountain form seemed strange no longer. She forgot to wonder at the singular earth light, and at the absence of the sun, and noticing for the first time that she was standing in a little path which ran along the pond, and then followed the course of the little brook, whose water seemed singing the words, Follow, follow me. Eva wondered no longer, but first stooping to pick up a little stick, in shape like a boy's cane, with a knob at one end, just like a roughly carved head, and which was lying just at her feet. She walked along the little path, which seemed made expressly for her to walk in. She walked on and on as she thought for hours, yet there came neither sunset nor moonrise, and there were no stars in the sky, which seemed nearer the earth than she had ever seen it before. There were clouds to be sure, of shapes as strange as those of the mountains, which passed and repassed each other, although there was no wind to move them. Everything was silent, even the trees swaying as they did to and fro, moved noiselessly, the only sound save Eva's light steps, which broke the stillness was the silvery ripple of the brook, which kept company with the path Eva trod, and whose waters murmured gently, follow me, follow me. And Eva followed the murmuring brook, which seemed to her like a pleasant companion in this silent land, where, even as there was no sound, there was no sign of life, nothing like the real world which the child had left, and of which with the fall of the little violet from her curls, she had lost all recollection, even as though that world had never existed for her. Once or twice she had went on, holding her little stick in her hand. She imagined that she saw child figures beckoning to her, but upon going up to them, she always found that either a rock or a low leafless shrub, or else a rising wreath of mist had deceived her. Yet, though she was alone with no one near her, not even a bird to flit merrily from tree to tree, nor an insect to buzz across her path, Eva felt and knew no fear, and not for a moment did she care that she was alone. The silvery ripple of the little brook, along which her path lay, sounded like a pleasant voice in her ears. When thirsty, she drank of its waters, which seemed to serve alike as food and drink. When tired, she would lie fearlessly down upon its grassy margin, and sleep as she would imagine, only for a few minutes, 
for there would be no change in the strange sky, nor in the earth light, when she would awake from what it had been when she lay down. And yet, in reality, she would sleep as long as she would have done in her little bed at home. For two whole days, which yet seemed as only a few hours, the child followed the brook. During this time, she had felt no desire to leave the path. She had unhesitatingly obeyed the rippling voice of the brook, which seemed to say, follow me, follow me. But now there was a change. The water at times encroached upon the path, and the rocks obstructed the current, around which little waves broke and dashed, while strange little flames which yet did not burn, and gave no heat started from the waves, dancing on them, and misty shapes more definite than those she had first seen beckoned to her to come to them. Now, Eva felt an irresistible longing to leave the brook, and wander away, far, far into the deep forest, away from the dancing flames and the beckoning shapes. And once or twice she did leave the path, and turn her back upon the brook. But every time that she stepped off the beaten track, faint though it was, her feet grew heavy and clung to the earth, so that she could scarcely move, and the waves of the brook leaped higher and higher, and the dancing flames grew brighter, and the silvery voice louder and clearer than ever would call, follow me, follow me, till the child was always glad to return to the path, and then once again the way would grow easy to her feet, and the water would resume its former tranquility. On, on she went, still following the course of the brook. But at last, a new sound mingled, though but faintly, with its musical ripple, the distant voice of falling waters. And when first this new tone reached Eva's ears, a few signs of life began to show themselves. A sad-colored moth flitted lazily across the path into the forest. A slow-crawling worm, or hairy caterpillar, hid itself under a stone as Eva passed. The bright eyes of a mouse would peep out at her from under the shelter of a leaf, or else a toad would leap hastily from the path into the waters of the brook. Still, Eva walked onward, more eagerly than ever, for though the follow me, follow me, of the brook was now silent. She heard the voice of the other waters, and at every turn in the path, she looked forward eagerly for the little joyous cascade she expected to see. For it she looked yet in vain, though the sound of the waters grew louder, she saw nothing, till at last a sudden gleam of golden light from a long opening in the forest fell across the now placid waters of the brook, and Eva looked up to see far away in this opening, a fountain playing in clouds of golden spray, amid which danced sparkles of light, and the path 
departing abruptly from the brook which it had followed so long, led down the opening in the forest directly to this play of waters, whose voice Eva had heard and followed. And as she turned away from the little brook, whose course in her own had so long been the same, it seemed to her that even the silvery ripple of its waters died away into silence. And looking back once more, after she had taken a few steps, upon the way by which she had come, lo, the brook and its waters had wholly disappeared, and an impenetrable forest had already closed up the path behind her. Thank you all for listening. If you enjoy the podcast and it helps you sleep and brightens your day, please consider becoming a patron of the show for as little as a dollar a month at KnoxBedtimeStories.com and click on the Patreon link or Patreon.com forward slash KnoxBedtimeStories. There are various rewards and it ensures that the show will be here every Monday for a long time to come. I wish you all a good night's sleep and a happy peaceful life. Good night.